Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sample Size. The only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And I'm your other host, Wildcard Cameron. And Sam refused to let me have a gag that I just recorded, and then I had to unrecord. So there. Because you decided to start recording and didn't tell me, and then very rudely <laughs> wouldn't stop the recording and restart it until I just sounded grumpy enough that you realized it wouldn't work. Yes, the Cameron special. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I don't need this grump energy because it's a very serious topic I'm bringing today. Today, we are talking about India. India is in bad sorts because coronavirus is surging right now. On Saturday, May 1st, India reported 401,993 new coronavirus cases for the previous day, making it the first country to record more than 400,000 cases in a single day. This was also the 10th consecutive day India reported more than 300,000 daily cases and was the fourth day in a row where the daily deaths exceeded 3,000. Now, the effects from this spike in cases are heartbreaking. Hospitals are overcrowded, medicine and oxygen are low, and they're starting to hold mass cremations. And family members are having to pick up the slack, searching for open hospital beds and spare oxygen. Now, I've read some tragic accounts of people being turned away from multiple hospitals, dying in waiting rooms before ever seeing a doctor, or once getting in a hospital not having any medicine to help. And I've also seen some really sad images researching this story, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, because this has been in the news a lot lately. And though a lot of you may know what's going on, I think this is still too important of a story not to cover. So today we're going to look into how did this new surge happen, how is the Indian government responding, and what is being done by others to help. I'm glad I'm not making jokes this episode. That was the most serious I've ever heard you talk about anything. And also, this sounds insane. You kept listing sequentially larger numbers per estimate. That was insane. Yeah, I'm I'm a little down after researching this. I'm not going to lie. It's 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 bad stuff. But we're going to do a deep dive into it and then you'll realize what's happening. Yeah. And I think there's also an important lesson for not just India, but like the entire world to understand the scale of what can go wrong if we don't get this under control. Yes. So let's do this. All right. So first, how did India get here? Well, there are several reasons for the recent spike in cases. First is a new variant. So this variant called B.1.617, terrible naming convention, or the Indian variant was first detected in early February. And unlike the other variants we discussed in our previous episode, this one has two mutations on the part of the virus that attaches to cells, causing the virus to more easily enter cells and counter an immune response to it. Pretty much what we keep seeing with mutations is the little spike proteins allow it to hook onto cells and get inside them. That's what's changing here. Correct. Now, this variant sounds worse than the others because, as I said, it has two mutations, but it may not actually be worse so one of the mutations is very similar to what is found in the UK, South African, and Brazilian variants, and the other one is similar to what's found in the Californian variant. The World Health Organization has only classified it as a variant of interest as opposed to a variant of concern like the other ones are. So more will come out about the impact of this specific variant as people study it more and as people get more samples, but we just don't really know at this point. And I also want to mention that the UK variant was detected in India in January, so that could also be contributing to the spike in cases there. So there's like just a bunch of different variants in India right now that's probably helping add to this problem. Yes. 
I would say that. So let's move on to the second reason for this spike, and that is due to just India being unprepared. India had a peak in cases in September, but then cases steadily declined, so much so that India's health minister declared in early March that they were in the endgame of the pandemic. So some states started relaxing social distancing policies and enforcement of those policies, and the central Indian government really relaxed COVID safety practices. Modi's government has been criticized for letting millions of largely unmasked people attend religious festivals and crowded political rallies in five states through March and April. And as expected, daily cases in these states have surged since then. Also, according to Reuters, four scientists, part of a forum of scientific advisors in India, warned the Indian government about the new variant in early March, and yet they still allowed large unmasked religious festivals to happen. It's weird hearing the same stupid, obvious, we should have been doing this the whole time things that people are being dumb and not listening to in the U.S. happening in India, except India has like three times our population. And probably more importantly, they don't have the same health infrastructure. And also, why did you do this? Like, you guys are actually doing a decent job. Yes, it is heartbreaking to be like, y'all, we're doing so well. And then <laughs> restrictions got relaxed too early. And now all this stuff is happening. I mean, that seems to be the common thread. It's happened in Europe. It happened in the U.S. as if we even really had restrictions. And it's happened in India and I think even China. We think we get to a point where it's like, oh, we've got this under control. We'll start relaxing things. And immediately spikes because... That's not how a virus works. Every opportunity it gets to keep spreading, it's going to keep spreading. So if you relax the things keeping it in check, it's obviously not going to be in check much longer. Yeah. The thing to me here is the bigger idea. It's like you shouldn't be relaxing this until we know COVID is down to the level where it's either non-existent or as little as possible, whatever that might be. Definitely not what's going on right now. That's when we should start thinking about relaxing things. Mm -hmm. And really when vaccination rates get really high. which we'll get into in a moment, which speaking of vaccinations, that is the third reason for this surge. India started its vaccination program in January, starting with healthcare workers and other priority groups. And they used the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and Covaxin, which is the vaccine developed in India. But vaccinations have been going slow, partly due to logistical issues and supplies, due to the government placing its first orders in January for just 15.5 million vaccines, but also due to vaccine hesitancy, especially with Covaxin, which was approved for emergency use before efficacy data from its phase three trial was released. This is also just a privilege, right? The privilege of being in the United States or in more developed countries is you get to, you have enough muscle to call dibs on all the good, and also... Not just calling dibs on all the good vaccines, but you also have the infrastructure to make it possible. It's hard to realize how rural parts of India still are. And on top of all that is just this problem of you're dealing with a much larger population. And the the countries that could be helping you are not doing anything about the fact that these pharmaceutical companies continue to keep their vaccines under patent and making it really hard for other places to be able to get their hands on these vaccines. You're looking at me like I'm about to spoil the whole game. No, you're you're doing so well. I mean, you kind of are spoiling it, but like, All yeah, right. exactly. All those points is exactly what's going on. And it's a terrible situation because of that. And I mean, it's part criticism of the Indian government for not putting in orders soon enough and for not putting in orders for a large amount of supplies. But it's also just 
wealthier countries were able to snatch up supplies sooner and were able to get those orders in. And also India has actually been making a lot of vaccines, but they're exporting them and sending them to other people. Yeah, something that if you follow the news and anything about Modi's government, this is not the first time and won't be the last time that they emphasize religious festivals over what might be best for the Indian populace, especially because, as I understand, that a lot of people in India, that that's very core to how they choose who they vote for. Mm-hmm. And so they know that, yes, people will probably get sick, but I, being a, I'm not going to lie, he's kind of Donald Trumpy. Like, he's kind of a Trumpy guy. And yes, he, he is. He probably does a better job of hiding it. He's not as Trumpy on his face, but being able to make the calculated decision that I'm going to open up for these festivals because I want to show that religion is very important and it's going to help me win the next election at the cost of human life is a really hard thing to explain to a populace. I'm saying that as someone who's living in the United States where this is just like the only thing we saw playing out the whole time. It's like, why shouldn't I go out? It's like, uh, probably because you're going to get your family and my family killed mm-hmm. over something that never needed to happen. And then the other thing that I can't get over is, and I can't stress this enough, the vaccines, there's no real reason they should be any limitations on getting vaccines to everyone. Vaccines, especially U.S. vaccines, are funded by my tax dollars. And you're like we as citizens of most developed countries are paying for the exact kind of research that went into making COVID and other coronavirus vaccines. And they're just taking money. They're just pharmaceutical companies are like, and we're going to just profit off this and not give away our formula or our process or whatever it goes into making these vaccines. Yeah, I I was going to bring this up at the end, but it's no surprise that Western countries, especially the U.S. and pharmaceutical companies are reluctant to give away the patents for their vaccine and just the formulas and allow people to make them. And they're they're getting a lot of criticism for it because guess what? We should end this global pandemic and we should contribute to that. It's a global thing. It's in the name. It's in our best interest to squash this as quickly as possible. So it's in our best interest to make these resources available to other countries that don't have the resources we have, are not able to secure all this stuff. Because if not, it's going to it's going to hurt us in the end. <laughs> You're so charged up. And like we've done a lot of these before. I can't believe how often we call back to past episodes. We really talk about coronavirus a lot. But the big thing was we had a whole episode about supply chains and the vaccines and how a lot of vaccines require supply chains where you literally they needed to work with Dippin' Dots. They had to work with a specialized company, the only company that dealt with that scale of transporting dry ice refrigerated goods in order to be able to get doses of was the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, Pfizer and also the Moderna, but definitely Pfizer. Yeah, to anywhere around the United States where people get inoculated because it w- it had to be stored at such low temperatures. India doesn't have Dippin' Dots, last I checked. <laughs> they don't have anything like that. <laughs> Being able to give them something like Johnson & Johnson is huge. Yeah, I mean, or really AstraZeneca, which, you know what, we're getting way too far ahead. Let's not get into that right now. We're going to move on to how the government responded when the surge happened. But before that, I do want to point out that now, as of May 3rd, India has fully vaccinated more than 27 million people, but that's only 2% of the country's population, putting it lower than most countries in per capita vaccination. So they have a ways to go in their 
vaccines. Yeah, for comparison, as of right now, last I checked, we have 50% of the adult population of the United States has received at least one dose. That's not including kids. And again, our total population is like a third of India's. So if that's good for us, imagine how much more they have to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all we've described so far is hurdles. And they're already shot in the foot. This is just, it's crazy. It's just crazy the scale of what's going on. Do you want to know how the Indian government's been responding? Poorly. <laughs> was that right? Yeah, that was right. <laughs> Damn, I hate how accurate that is. <laughs> okay. So first, Modi remained silent on the surge until late April. And even then, he urged states to avoid imposing lockdowns if possible, calling them the, quote, last option. Now, I do want to say the government has set up new oxygen generation plants, is using railways and military to quickly distribute oxygen tankers, suspended industrial oxygen use, and is setting up COVID hospitals in some areas. But the government has also been playing down the situation and been resistant to criticism. Some things that officials say are being done, like increased hospital beds, supplies, etc., they conflict with reports from people in the areas. And researchers are questioning the case and death counts, thinking they're undercounted. Though this could be more from an overwhelmed medical system instead of government interference. And late April, Twitter removed several tweets from opposition politicians criticizing Modi's handling of the situation after they received a request from the Indian government. All these stories just make it so easy for me to continue to despise Twitter as a platform, as a company, is a bad Now, so just to recap, the reason they needed so much focused on getting more oxygen is because, you know, it's a disease that attacks your ability to breathe. I remember at the start of the pandemic, there was a bunch of stories about entire companies having to respect to build respirators, like the weirdest, tiniest pieces of respirators that were hard to get a hold of because we had such a crazy shortage and we hadn't replenished them over the years as we responded to other issues. Like we had a national stockpile of respirators. So. This oxygen respirator component is critical to every country's ability to help patients recover from the virus. And if I recall, the reason for the medically induced coma was it helped put when people were on respirators, if it was at that severe of a level, because their own body wouldn't be fighting it. Yes. And India is going through a massive oxygen shortage right now. Yeah. And on top of that, I think you pointed this out very well. It's unlike things we saw in the United States. It doesn't seem like the government's actively doing anything to inhibit medical professionals, especially for these counts. But it's just like before the pandemic even happened, their medical infrastructure wasn't there to do this in the first place. So if it was bad then, it's not going to be much better now. Yes, their medical system is overwhelmed. That's the short answer. It's just completely overwhelmed. Hospitals are overcrowded. People are struggling to get oxygen. They're struggling to even see a doctor. It's It's overwhelmed. I don't see a silver lining in any part of the story, so let's just keep going, I guess. Yeah, so you hinted on this before. Let's talk more about Modi, who's prime minister, right? Is that what you say? Okay. Is that the phrase for India? I've been saying this person's name. That is India's prime minister. So (laughs) let me point that out. It's Narendra Modi, and he is the prime minister of the BJP party. Yes, good job. I don't remember what it stands for. Oh, I didn't even attempt it. I figured I would butcher the pronunciation. Like, I know what it sounds like. I just am afraid to say. That's why I didn't attempt to pronounce it. Okay, but some people are not happy about Modi's leadership. 
He actually had a six-point drop in popularity this week with a 28% disapproval rating, though, weirdly enough, he is still pretty popular with a 67% approval rating, which I still find weird. But Modi's political party, BJP, they suffered a surprising political defeat in the state of West Bengal, where his party won 75 seats but was expected to win more. So... I will admit, I really don't know anything about India's politics, but I'm pointing these out because Modi has been criticized for holding massive political rallies leading up to the election, where he refused to wear a mask and had little social distancing. And several have accused Modi of prioritizing politics and intentionally not addressing the surge in cases. Yeah, it's this is a playbook that, like, even if you don't understand Indian politics, we saw this in spades in the United States. The Indian population is extremely diverse, but religion plays a very significant role for people at all levels. Mm-hmm. So being able to emphasize how he is a man of the people and he has these strong religious values and playing those all as a priority while ignoring the fact that there's this thing out there actively killing people. I mean, if you saw the amount of turnout there still was for Trump and he was still pushing for no masks and we're going to be out there and we're still going to have these rallies like the parallels are not hard to draw oh yeah the Modi Trump comparison is real like <laughs> it's just looking at all this stuff I'm like yep I know that playbook I'm <laughs> I live in the U.S. from what I've seen of him he does a much better job he is in many ways a much better showman it still blows my mind that Trump got even the level of support he did even if there's this amount of disdain in america for the way things are and this desire to topple everything i still can't believe trump was the guy they went for whereas modi on his face very straightforward he's like i understand what normal people are going through i'm going to bury some bad things in my past but at the same time i'm going to know how to like spin them and be presentable i have a feeling that has to do with india's political structure because the u.s is I mean, we've said before, we're in this unique two-party system where you kind of are just left with two options, and that plays a big role in how people decide things, where you have, yes, Trump had a core people, like, super enthusiastic about him, but I there was also a big chunk of his support that wasn't really enthusiastic for him, but was more not enthusiastic for the other person. So it's like one of those like, oh, I guess I'm going to choose the one I hate the least kind of situation. I have a feeling that doesn't happen as much in India where you need a lot more active support to get that majority and win. I I can't speak too much to the Indian political system, but I know that Indian talk television is just as bad as Fox News. (laughs) They have like a Fox India and it's exactly like the same format, talking heads, people yelling at each other, except it's like more. It's like got that. Middle East, Far East, like angry vibe. If if you're from a family from the Asian continent, like I am, <laughs> you know this exact level of extra that I'm talking about. <laughs> well, in a way, that sounds more entertaining. <laughs> but let's go back to the topic of how the government's handling things. And let's go back to vaccinations in particular. So the government is trying to increase vaccines and recently said vaccinations would be open to anyone 18 and older. But so far, only 12 of India's 36 states and union territories have enough vaccines in stock to expand vaccinating. I also want to point out if you're wondering if the vaccines will help against the new Indian variant, 
there are some studies showing it is effective against it. So vaccinations are still the long-term solution to preventing more cases. Yeah, it's a case of just your body being able to identify the spike protein, even if it's not a perfect match. It seems to be enough for the immune-boosting effects of these vaccines to still be effective against the variants. Yes, yes, that's a good explanation. Yes, that's the thing is like there are mutations on the spike protein. I like to think of it like Lego blocks. Every so often, Lego slightly changes. But at the end of the day, the Lego pieces from the very first set of Lego still fit together with the current generation. <laughs> and so as long as you can identify those Lego pieces, as long as your body can tell that this is a the 2 by 2 it knows that that 2 by 2 shouldn't be there. What a very cute metaphor. Yes, this is a very dark episode. <laughs> so in summary, the Indian government was slow to respond. Some have been very critical of how it's handling the surge in cases. But even if they did do everything right, there's still just an overall lack of supplies and oxygen needed to help everyone. So you really can't place the entire blame on the government. It's they're just they're in a bad situation. Now let's move on to what is being done by others to help India. Many nations have stepped up to offer aid, including oxygen generators, ventilators and PPE. And nonprofits and private companies have also been donating money and supplies. However, there has been criticism that nations aren't doing enough to help. And we're in the U.S., so I have some specific talking points on criticism against the U.S. You brought up actually a lot of them, Cameron. You are just so on point with this. I care about the the democratization of technology and how it can be used to help the masses. Yes. So first, the U.S. has a temporary ban on exporting raw materials for vaccine production. They didn't lift this ban when India first asked for aid, and the White House has now said they'll partially lift it for specific materials needed for Indian manufacture of their vaccine. But still, that's kind of selfish. So also in April, the White House said it could share its stockpile of 60 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine with other countries, but there's no specifics on that yet. And he probably heard me right. The AstraZeneca vaccine, which is not even being given in the U.S., but the U.S. apparently has a stockpile of 60 million doses. I mean, I know we have a demand problem now. Like we've somehow gotten to the point where this thing is out there killing people and people are still like, no, I do not want to protect myself against this disease because I do not trust the overwhelming body of scientific evidence that no one's been able to use to link any vaccine to actual death of a person. But we've got literally 500,000 people who've definitely died of coronavirus. Those scales don't seem like they're hard to understand. I wonder if it's like partly hesitation that because we have this demand problem, if there's suddenly a demand increase, we like hoarding them just to be safe. I, I guess. I mean, I also read somewhere that the U.S. put in orders for more vaccines than we needed for our entire population. So I just... I'm just not sure. Maybe they wanted a cushion in case some of them were bad or something. People were just actively destroying vaccines. That's true. There were reports of that and of stuff just getting spoiled because of the really cold conditions like the Pfizer vaccine needs. Because of Dippendots. Yes, because of Dippendots. still needs to make money. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ice cream kills people. (laughs) Why why did you introduce this Dippendots conspiracy of like... Okay, sorry. The fantastic ice cream balls from outer space are killing us all. (laughs) Now you know. No. Okay. (laughs) But let's get back to criticizing the U.S. That's like our pastime. I guess so. I don't know what's 
happening anymore. Hurry, the faster we finish Cameron this episode. Cameron, save us. Okay. Okay. I think we're I think we're getting near the end, right? Yes. All right. Yes. Now, now for my briefly teased monologue. Joe, Mr. Biden, J-Dog. I know you're listening to this podcast because you apparently have nothing better to do. Otherwise, you'd be actively trying to do the bare minimum to make sure that all these vaccines and resources could go to other countries that definitely need them. And just to make sure we get to that status quo you keep promising us. So, Joe, look into my eyes. I know you can't see me, but find a picture of me. I know you keep one in your office somewhere. Just look into my eyes and hear my words. Just help them get the vaccines to be public domain so other countries can start working on them. Keep working with all the other countries that are just continuously doing a better job than us and help. We have the resources and we apparently do not have the demand. So do it. I also want to point out the U.S. has been sending aid to India, but we could do more, especially on the vaccine intellectual property front. Please just like let's vaccinate the entire world, please. Jay Bizzle, you can do this. Jay Bizzle? Yeah. <laughs> God. <sighs> okay. So that's the end of our episode <laughs> with Jay Bizzle. This was a very intense episode. I feel like the levity we brought to it was weirdly inappropriate. I'm going to blame you. Yeah, I'll take that one. But, you know, before we go, I feel like there's a lot of useful resources that people can use to read up on the whole situation and understand maybe there's some weird way they can help. Talk to your congressman. If you know Joe Biden, go tell him. Go tell Jay Bizzle that we need to do something about this. I cannot get over that name. But if you want to find out more information of what's going on, all of my sources are in the show notes. And if you've listened to this episode and feel like you need to do something to help those in India, I have included in the show notes a link to UNICEF's donation page who've been sending supplies to India and also to a Google Doc with many organizations you can donate to compiled by some awesome volunteers online. And I also just want to get on a soapbox for a moment and say, please get a vaccine if you are able to. As Cameron mentioned before, in the U.S., 31.6 of the population is fully vaccinated, and that is great news. But that percentage also needs to be much higher to reach herd immunity and prevent cases surging. So go get a vaccine if you can. Talk to family and friends about them getting a vaccine also, because that's the best way to convince someone who's hesitant about getting one. Seriously, talking to people is the easiest way to help envision the future that we want. If you know people who are hesitant about the vaccine, if you know people who are uncertain about how it compares to getting COVID, you are the only way they're going to be able to understand that they need to do this because it's not just important for their health, it's important for the people around them that they care about. Yes. And again, if you want to donate to people in India, go check out those donation pages. In the show notes. Thanks as always to Scott for making us sound good and somehow managing to make this entire episode sound coherent. And please, if you know anyone who's hesitant, talk to them. If you haven't gotten vaccinated and you can, please do. And like we always say, make sure to take care of yourself. And if you can, someone else. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.